Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Amen. Would you remain standing for the reading of the word? It's from Luke chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard wondered at what the shepherds told them. Let us pray. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Holy Father, we are so grateful we have an opportunity to come here today. And hopefully, like the shepherds, we will leave professing that we have seen the risen Jesus. In all things, God, we give you the honor and glory and praise. And everyone agreed by saying, Amen. Several months ago, I picked up a book quite by accident called The Ten Second Rule. And when I saw this book and started reading through it, I absolutely, positively fell in love with it. So when Pastor Aaron asked me several weeks ago to fill in for him this Sunday, I figured this is what I need to talk about. But how do I tie it all in with the Christmas season? The 10-second rule is a very simple principle. You're walking along, or you're at work, or you're at home, and God inspires you to do something nice for someone else. Instead of waiting two or three days or praying about it, do it. Because normally within that first 10 seconds, God is speaking to you, that person needs your help in some way or in some manner. Well, as we're taking a look at the, at the scripture reading today, that's exactly what the shepherds did. They turn around and they go see the Christ child and they leave. And what do they do? They're out talking about Jesus immediately. Now, the shepherds at the time of Christ's birth were pretty nasty individuals. They lived on the outskirts of town. They were not thought very highly of. They, live, they were poorly educated. They were tied together or classified with tax collectors and my favorite one, dung sweepers of the day. The uh, Mishnah, which is a Jewish writing at the time, says of them, no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. Now, how would you like to be in a pit stuck and no one will help you out because you're a shepherd? In general, they were considered second-class citizens of the society. So let's go back to Christmas night. And we go back, and the shepherds are in the field. It's dark outside. They may have a campfire going to keep a little warm. They're listening for the baa of the sheep around them, making sure they're protected. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to them and says to them, Behold, a Savior has been born to you, and he is in Bethlehem in a manger. And then the heavens fill with a host of heavenly angels singing praises to God, saying, holy, holy, holy. And what do the shepherds do? They immediately got up without second thought, and they go immediately into Bethlehem looking for this Messiah. Now, I can only imagine Mary and Joseph in the manger. Jesus is laying uh, in the crib, and all of a sudden there's footprints outside the, outside the shed. They're outside the, the stable. Now, if I'm Joseph, I'm picking up my staff. I'm standing in front of my wife and the child in a defensive mode, ready to protect them, because I don't know who these people are. 
Now I can imagine the shepherd slowly and quietly approaching the manger scene, coming inside and then bowing down and looking in amazement at this child that they see, maybe whispering back and forth among themselves a little bit. Then I can imagine Mary maybe picking up the child Jesus and even handing them, handing him to one of the shepherds to hold. And the shepherds were in awe and amazement of everything they saw. The baby's given back to Mary and the shepherds quietly step out of the manger. And as they step out, they start to leave. And as they disperse, they, st they don't stop. But they tell everyone they come in contact with what had happened that night. They were the first witnesses or, or um, foretellers of who Jesus was. Can you imagine their excitement? And all who heard them listened and were amazed as well. Well, throughout Scripture, in both the Old Testament and New Testament, there are numerous examples of individuals that God has spoken to to go do mission work, if you please, or go to share the Word of God with other people. One of my favorite stories of the Old Testament is a guy by the name of Amos. Amos was a prophet. He lived around 715, 720 B.C., uh, before Christ. And Amos turns around, he's a shepherd and a sycamore tender of trees. And all of a sudden, God comes to him and says, hey, I want you to go to the northern kingdom and tell them to repent. Now, just a little bit of history. If you remember, David was king of Israel, the whole northern southern area, around 1,000 or thereabouts B.C. When he died, his son took over for the next 40 years, Solomon. And then Solomon died and his son took over. I think his name was Rubicub or something like that. It was one of those fancy Jewish names I can't remember how to pronounce. But he was not a very good king. He was a young man. He took advice from counsel of his own age. And they said, we need to tax these people in the northern kingdom even more than what your dad did. So those leaders of the northern kingdom said, enough with this. And they, there was an actual split. Well, from that time around 940 B.C. on, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom hated each other. And they fought and both said that this was the true Israel. They should come and worship in, in, in their cities. Around 715, 720 uh, B.C., God uh, shows up to Amos, and Amos goes up first to the northern kingdom and says, Guys, i got some great news for you. All your enemies that surround you, God's going to destroy. And guess what the northern kingdom did? They rejoiced. They didn't have to worry about any enemies again attacking them. Amos leaves, comes back a couple months later. i got some more good news for you. The southern kingdom, where I'm from, is going to be destroyed unless they repent. Guess what the northern kingdom did? They rejoiced. They didn't like the southern kingdom in the first place. He leaves, he comes back a couple months later. This time he says, unless you guys repent, unless you guys get rid of your adultery and all your false images and worshiping uh, idols and things like that, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be destroyed. The northern kingdom never repented. The southern kingdom did repent for a period of time. If you remember from Old Testament history, around 605 B.C., the Babylonian army comes in and takes the first wave of captives back to Babylonia, which included Daniel, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego, and some of those others. And then finally, they overthrow the southern kingdom in about 685 B.C. But the southern, northern kingdom falls to the Assyrians in 715 B.C. because they refused to listen. What I get from Amos, and what I like about Amos, is sometimes a prophet or sometimes an individual is called to share a message with others that they don't really want to hear. 
that they don't want to repent or change their ways. Sometimes God uses us to tell someone, hey, this isn't right, what you're doing or how you're living or, 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 or what's going on in your life. You need to go back to Scripture and see what God is actually causing or calling you to do. In the book of Amos, it says, when, he's, when someone asks him, why are you here doing this or prophesying to us? Amos' response is this. He said, by vocation, he claimed to be nothing but a herdsman and a tender of sycamore fruits. But he pointed out that his right to speak came from the highest authority of all. The Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people. And Amos went and prophesied to his people. Now, there's other stories in the Old Testament that are also lessons that we can learn. You all remember King David, and he had a prophet by the name of Nathan. Nathan came to him one night and said, hey, I got a question for you, King David. I know this guy that only has a single sheep. And I know a ten, another farmer who has 10 sheep that lives right next door to him. Well, the guy that has 10 sheep had a friend come to visit him, and he decided to go and steal the sheep of the guy that only had one sheep, kill him, fat, and, kill him and serve him as a meal. What do you think we should do to the king that had 10 sheep? And David, without hesitation, said, we need to put him in prison until he can pay back, maybe even put him up, maybe even kill him. And Nathan looked at him and said, you are that man. Because if you remember the story of David, who did he take? He took Bathsheba, who was another man's wife, and had a son. So again, sometimes God calls us to confront individuals in order to help them to change and grow. And as we all know, David did change and turn around and became a great leader, a great ruler. Now, Jesus Christ also taught us by his example. Many of you remember the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. What did Nicodemus do? He came to Christ at night because he was afraid of what other people might think. But Jesus sat down with him one-on-one -on -one and shared with him his dreams or, or what his life was all about and what we needed to do or what Nicodemus needed to do to be born again. In chapter 3 of John, it says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. That was a part of that whole Nicodemus experience. Sometimes God is calling you and I to go and sit with someone and share that same message with them. Sometimes people will come to us and say, I don't understand who Jesus is. I don't understand why you do the things you do or act the way you act. And God is asking us to take that 10 seconds and sit down and visit the person and share with them why, why Jesus is so important to our life. I also remember Jesus telling the story of the 100 sheep, and one of them goes astray. What did he do? Did he leave it go off and not worry about it? No, Jesus went after the one that was lost. Sometimes we have family members or friends or co-workers that have no clue who Jesus Christ is. They have no idea what the salvation plan is all about. Sometimes, and we like to say, well, my witness is how I live and act my life. And that's true. But sometimes our witness also needs to be face-to-face -face with that person and telling them what, the, what your life was like before Christ, what happened to change you, and what your life is like after Christ. So Christ tells us that we need to go after that one lost sheep. And of course, we have the short little fat man that climbs a sycamore tree to see Jesus as he enters town. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't deny him. He doesn't push him aside. He says, I'm going to have supper in your house tonight. 
and he turns around and the guy says, hey, I'm going to give back, if I have missed, if I've taken anything more than I should, I'm going to give back to them four times. Sometimes the same thing is true with us. Sometimes we have done things that have offended others. Sometimes we have done things that are not right or are wrong. And Christ is asking us to do the same thing, to ask for forgiveness and also to share back with others that we have taken from. There are also many modern-day examples of how this lives out. One of my favorite is one I just recently read about Tom Phillips and a guy by the name of Chuck. And with your permission, I'm going to read this because I kind of like some of the information that was given to me about Mr. Phillips. Tom was the longtime chairman and CEO of Raytheon Corporation. He began his career as an electrical engineer when he was 24 years of age and eventually climbed the corporate ladder all the way to the very top. He ascended to the top of Raytheon. His ascent to the top of Raytheon was not his top accomplishment, however. Tom had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He loved to share the impact of Christ's life with others that he had before he met Christ, what caused him to accept Jesus Christ, and how he's living his life after that relationship with Jesus Christ was well in, ingrained in him. He said, my biggest accomplishment is that I now live for Jesus Christ. In our reading today, we heard what the shepherds did once they saw, Christ, saw the Christ child. They told their part of the world. Tom did the same thing. Whoever came into his office, Tom would always take a few minutes to sit down and talk to them about Jesus Christ. One day, Tom had the opportunity to meet Chuck. The initial meeting with him went nowhere. It wasn't the right time. However, as John Wesley uh, has taught us, on grace, God's provenient grace was at work, and God and it, uh, it was not. God, and in God's timing, Tom and Chuck would have another meeting. Another meeting. Provenient grace is that grace of wooing that God has for us. Each of us have been wooed to God at some point in our life. There are others out there God is trying to woo to Him. How did I become a Christian? It was through my parents. I was always raised in church. For others, you've had an encounter with a friend or a family member that opened the door for you to fall in love with Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. That wooing effect of, of God on our lives is what's cause, calling us to him. And you and I are there to help others come to know Jesus Christ by how we live and what we do. Um, eventually, uh, God's wooing brought Chuck back to Tom Phillips. This time, the results were different. In the course of a marathon meeting, Chuck's heart began to soften. And on his way home that night, he pulled off the side of the road and had a come-to-Jesus meeting in his car. He was a new man, and he could no longer live as he had lived. Patty, Chuck's wife, wrote on Tom's passing. Tom just passed earlier this year. This was a letter he wrote uh, for the newspaper. She wrote for the newspaper. It is almost impossible to adequately describe my emotions when I heard that my friend Tom Phillips had gone home to be with the Lord. My first reaction, of course, was sadness, that he no longer was with us. But then I couldn't help but think of Tom entering into the presence of the Lord and being reunited with his wife, Gret, and my beloved husband, Chuck. And that gave me such comfort and joy. For those of us who grew up during the 70s, we probably remember something called Watergate, and you may remember the name Chuck. He was President Nixon's right-hand man. The media and many insiders in the White House gave him the nickname, the Hatchet Man. He was also known as Nixon's Dirty Trick Man. If Nixon needed something done, he would call Chuck Colson, his chief counsel, and Chuck would make sure it happened. 
Chuck lived a life up to that point that was not very well, not very good. He was known for his dirty politics. He was known for backstabbing. Chuck was just not a really good guy uh, while he was in the Nixon administration and all the way up to that point. When given a chance by prosecutors for a flea bargain, he refused. He would later write that in his book, Born Again, that the impact Christ had on his life was so great that he had to stay in judgment for the crimes he committed while part of the Nixon administration. Chuck Colson eventually went to prison. While in prison, his faith grew, and he was in prison at a time when uh, faith-based groups in prison were not accepted. Praying in prisons was not accepted. It was uh, looked down upon, and many times prisoners would beat up others that prayed or tried to bring a Bible into, into prison. He and several other prisoners began to pray no matter, began to pray together and eventually began a Bible study group. In time with prison and religion, uh, in a time when prison and religion didn't mix, God was forging Chuck into the leader he would be. Upon his release, Chuck promised that he would go back and visit his friends in prison. But one of the prisoners looked at him as he was leaving and he said, boy, once you are out of here, you ain't coming back to see us. Chuck remembered that and Chuck did go back to see them. Chuck formed a ministry called Prison Fellowship Ministry that now has impacted the world in prisons, uh, prisons around the world. We had a friend that was in prison for about 15 to 16 years, and our friend knew of Prison Fellowship Ministry and got very heavily involved in it while he was there. And the impact it had on his life when he came out has helped him not to go back in. So Prison Fellowship Ministry is a great program. Patty, uh, Chuck's wife, ended her remarks uh, on Tom's passing by saying this. That night back in 1973, when he, Tom, met with Chuck and shared the gospel with him, changed Chuck's life forever. And it changed my life and the lives of countless thousands, if not millions of people around the world. It was Tom Phillips, it was Tom Phillips, a man of great achievement and yet extraordinary humility and kindness, who responded to God's call and to lead my dear Chuck to the Lord. Sometimes we may not see the output of our effort to help somebody, but in Tom's case, he saw what Chuck did when he got out of prison, and that's a blessing. If you remember the story of Billy Graham, we can go back several generations, and the first guy that, the gentleman that introduced Billy Graham to Christ, if we go back in history, the very first person had no idea what that impact would have almost 100 years later. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm saying is sometimes God is using us to open the doors to talk to others about Jesus Christ and about his son. When God calls, how are you and I going to respond? Mustang United Methodist Church has responded in numerous ways. If you remember, many of you remember Jerry and Jennifer Rabb and Adam Ricks. Both of them are ordained ministers in the United Methodist Church. Both of them came from our congregation. Uh, Jennifer and, or Jerry and Jennifer are serving now in Amarillo, Texas. Adam is in Oklahoma City serving as pastors. We have many individuals who have gone into deacon programs and, and other ministerial programs to serve. We are a church that opens the door for others to serve. Each of you have a great impact in doing that. Many of us have served in Skyline River Ministries. Many of us help with Trunk or Treat or uh, our Vacation Bible Schools. That, those are all great outreach programs. How is God calling you in 2020 to serve? 
I was listening to either Bach Radio or K-Love the other day. I don't remember which one it was exactly. But the minister talked about a salt shaker. And he said the glass salt shaker represents a congregation. And the salt in it represents the members of the congregation. Or the, the glass is the, the church building, if you please. The salt inside are members of the congregation. When we're here on Sunday morning worshiping, it's safe. If we want to raise our hand and praise God while we're singing a song, it's safe. If someone wants to shout out, amen, which no one did, by the way, while I was preaching, that's okay. Or if you want to laugh or whatever, we are safe inside here. But when we leave this building and we go forth from here, sometimes we get scared. We may not know what, we think we don't know what to say. We don't, we think we may not know how to respond. But God is asking us to respond anyhow. In Matthew chapter 25, it says what? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We are called to go as individuals and as a community into all the world. We are called not to be safe in church, but to go forth. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.